You're listening to Pitch Perfect, the podcast, not the movie. And I'm your host, Nate, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh. But you might know him better from his work as Christopher Walken's accent coach on the set of the film Wild Mountain Time. Yes, hi, I'm Walken here. I don't, uh... No, I... Nate, I'm sorry, I lied to you about that one. I didn't do that, okay? No? I was the... I... I was embarrassed about this, but I was the um, the story uh, editor for Wild Mountain Time, mm. and uh, I was drunk and tired, and uh, the I'm, I'm not you know proud of myself, but that twist uh, was my idea. See, I assume that movie was written by like pulling Scrabble tiles out of a bag. No, I uh, I had a long day, and I was just like watch a b-movie on netflix and we're just like i don't know what if we just do that and uh made it work i guess fun fact about me i've never actually seen the b-movie except in like a super compressed form as part of a youtube shit post yeah i don't think we need to see the b-movie unless we do our jerry seinfeld what? season <laughs> josh can you name another movie with jerry seinfeld in it uh, no, I can't. I guess we're not doing a Jerry Seinfeld season. Yeah, I can't think of one either. I'm sure there's gotta be at least one other. What is the deal with jo- having Jerry Seinfeld in other movies? Movies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it's important to note that welcome to the final episode of the first season of Pitch Perfect. We have come a long and arduous way to get to this point, and here we are, right? Yeah. This is the last the last step of our journey. Cool. Oh man, I'm so excited. Uh, we got so many cool ideas. Alright, let's get into it. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. The infamous hero is now the man of the hour. Ernest P. <laughs> Your podcast has been hijacked by me, Dr. Otto von Schnickick. The character from the movie, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam. This is what I sound like, don't check. I have dealt with your disrespect for too long. My film is the true origin of the character of Ernest. It is the start, the alpha, and the omega, and yet you have ignored me time and again and wished to rush to the end of your season without watching my film. I'm going to shoot you with some kind of threatening beam and make you watch my movie. <laughs> Ow! I hate being shot oh, with beams. God. Oh. <laughs> no, my brain. Oh my god, Nate. I I was so full of enthusiasm and optimism, and now I'm full of dread and my eyes hurt. What just happened? I mean, on a macro level, like, the mostly the last year... Or so, on a micro level, we got shot with a beam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we just watched Dr. Otto on the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Yep, we watched Dr. Otto Bull's Gloom Along Beam. And, uh, I don't feel good about it. No, me neither. <laughs> Man, uh, okay. While I recover, maybe you could just give the listeners a little bit of background about this movie. Okay, so this is technically the first cinematic appearance of Ernest. Obviously, as we have discussed many times on this podcast, he had appeared prior in commercials. I, does, this, does this predate the show? I actually didn't look that up. I will look that up as you talk. 
they, you know, I, the character had been around before. Uh, this movie exists basically to be, I think, almost exclusively to be a comedic showcase for Jim Varney. We have, I think, in the past on this show, compared it to, like, an Eddie Murphy movie where he plays multiple characters. That's not entirely accurate here. He's mostly playing one character who wears a lot of disguises. This movie is sort of like, I would say it kind of is in that same sort of cultural stream that led to something like Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's like dudes that watch a lot of B-movies on late night TV making, and like goofed on them, making something that is supposed to feel like how those movies felt to them. Uh, you know, where those were unintentional comedies, this is an intentional comedy. I think it's also heavily influenced by Rocky Horror Picture Show. If I may interrupt you real quick, the Hey Vern, it's Ernest children's TV program aired in 1988 when Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam came out in 1985. Okay. So, okay, that makes sense. Because it's notable that you said that that is a children's show. And all the Ernest movies have been children's movies. This is not for kids as far as i can tell if this is for kids then the people who made it are even more deranged than i thought they were (laughs) ain't that the truth but i mean in terms of in terms of plot there really isn't much to this movie it's a lot of farting around as we have been known to say on this show like this is mostly farting around Mm -hmm. it's jim varney plays dr otto von schnickick who you will know from hijacking this podcast earlier something i don't know how we we, i don't know how to reconcile the fourth wall here but there we go uh (laughs) we're just gonna need to increase our budget next season so we don't get any interruption from paulie shore yeah but he he is a super villain he's a mad scientist he sounds pretty much exactly like ludwig von drake from like the disney cartoons like the german which is a character whose name i couldn't remember and relearned by googling german duck scientist <laughs> um, and he is mad at the world and threatens it with a the titular gloom beam which is some kind of magnetic ray that fucks up like electronic banking and like credit cards and creates a financial crisis in response to this his rival since childhood and failed senate car- candidate Lance Sterling is dispatched to find him. Oh, also, Dr. Otto leaves a inscrutable and useless riddle that's supposed to point to his identity, I think, which is weird because we know his identity. He's Dr. Otto von Schnickick. Well, whatever. And then Lance Sterling farts around for a while trying to hunt down Dr. Otto. Dr. Otto continually torments him by wearing very... Like, they're disguises, but he gets in a machine that turns him in two people he plays an australian mercenary who can't remember words he plays a pirate who i don't think there's really any other bit to the character except that he is a pirate aunt nelda and a rich guy named guy dandy who is rich that and like kind of a douchebag i guess that's his whole character eventually for no particular reason lance sterling ends up in dr otto's lair they have a fight dr otto runs away and briefly disguises himself as Ernest, who is working as a gas station attendant that Lance Sterling and his sidekick run into at the very end of the movie. And that's the movie. That's our, that's the whole thing. Yeah, mostly. I will add that characters that you mentioned, Dr. Otto having. The pirate is like a, he's like a Captain Ahab character, where his nemesis is the dump, which is just mm. a 
sentient floating mound of trash that also eats women, I guess? Uh, and, uh, the other rich dandy dude is, like, a extra from the, uh, taco... Putting on the... It's cover of putting on the Ritz. Yeah, he is the cane and everything. And... Yeah, yeah. It's... I don't know. He, he owns a parking garage, I guess? It's very weird. This, this movie is, uh... The budget was clearly low as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like crap. Mm-hmm. This is the worst looking... So we, as with basically all of the Ernest movies in the latter half of this series, we watched it for free on YouTube. Officially, it's like on YouTube movies. It's not, it, And this is the worst transfer of the bunch. It's a, the grainiest, crummiest looking picture of all of them. And uh, yeah, no, it doesn't look very good. It's kind of unpleasant to look at. But there's, I do like some of the like practical effects and stuff that where they lean into their kind of the kind of cheesiness. There's like a one part in particular where the gloom beam is being like fired, and they they have like a mini little miniature set of this like skull encrusted mountain, and the beam like thing that's being shot is, like, clearly someone's hand in, like, a glove. And it's, like, moving and pulsating like it's alive and, like, shooting the beam out of the finger. And, like, I liked that effect. And so there's a couple things like that throughout the movie. But, yeah, otherwise it just kind of looks like a big old pile of poopy. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's rate this bad boy. Do you want to start or shall I start? I guess I can start. It sucks. It's, it's formless. It's, there's, like, no, the script is really bad. There's, like, no momentum to the plot. There's, like, ostensibly the structure of the, like, riddle that Lance Sterling is supposed to solve, but the joke of his character is that he's dumb, so he never really actually solves it or does anything. He just kind of bumbles around from location to location. A lot of the jokes don't really land. A big part of that is a lot of this movie focuses on the character of Lance Sterling, who the guy playing him is just not very good. Like, the lines aren't great, but he could have done a much better job at delivering them, and he doesn't. Like the joke of this, his character is that he's like a parody of like a sexist old timey hero. We we kept comparing when we were watching it. We kept comparing him to Zap Brannigan, but he doesn't play him as over a top enough. So he just is unlikable. And most of the movie's about him, which makes most of the movie kind of annoying to watch. Not a lot happens, and it just kind of stumbles to an end. It's just like a shoddily made movie, I think overall. Like, there's, it's not, there's some sex, there is some sexism, which is, like, partially satirical, partially some? not. But, it, yeah, I would say some. Like it's I, would, some. I would say more than some, but go on. Uh, the thing is, like, yeah, those parts make up, like, maybe total, like, a minute of the movie. <laughs> like, there's a lot of nothing happening in this movie. That's true. That is true. But even then, like, I don't think, like, there's nothing in this movie that comes as close to uh, as uncomfortable as Hey You. Like, it's mostly just that this is a bad movie that is poorly made. Like, it's not, it's it's less egregious than some stuff, but it's just, like, not a fun time to watch. So I think I, I would give it, we'll go 1 out of 5, a 2 out of 10. Like, it's pretty bad, but it's also, like, you know, if I had the power to erase movies from existence, I would not remember to erase this one. And also, if I did, it might affect the future Ernest movies. But, like... Yeah, I, I think it's bad, but ultimately, like, I'm not going to remember this movie, like, two days from now. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it seemed like Jim Varney was having a fun time in the showcase of his talents with all these odd creatures and costumes. Mm. 
he I say creatures because he also played the trash monster, or at least voiced the trash monster. It might have been somebody else in costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dump. He voiced the dump. And it feels like this weird, like, James Bond parody that just, you know... I'm glad, again, that this led to, like, Ernest Films being more accessible idea that eventually turned out to some really good films and some really shitty films, but mostly remembering the really good films. And this movie itself is just... Don't watch this movie. It's no. it's torturous. Uh, we mentioned a, a while ago in our episode about Ernest Rides Again where you and I weren't really, like, having, like, our jokes back and forth while watching this movie. We weren't really having a good time. We were just silently watching this movie together. And it was yeah. just, ugh. Like, I kept watching the clock the entire time. It's so boring. It's poorly paced. It's poorly edited. Yeah. You mentioned it's a formless mess. That's 100% accurate. And outside of Jim Varney, the acting sucks. Especially Lance Sterling's character, uh, who is played by... Glenn, no, that's the hand. Uh, Glenn Petach, who did the hand. Great job. Good job. Very happy for you. Oh, well, that was one of well, the best parts of this movie. Just so people know, Dr. Otto has a human hand on his head that moves independently. It's yes, played it, by another person standing behind Jim Varney. <laughs> the and entire time. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the better visual gags. It's like a real, it feels like a really, really weird version of the thing, from, of the like hand thing from Dr. Strangelove. Right, or the hand thing from the thing from the Adams family. It um constantly massages Jim Varney's head while he's acting. And I can't imagine that's fucking weird. But you know, <laughs> good for him. I mean he did this whole movie basically with a guy standing behind him, like inside of his costume. What a strange way to do a performance. But I was gonna say Mike R. Mueller, who played Lancer, like we I gotta call you out. You you, you were terrible that this was bad that like we spent most of the movie watching you and you were bad and you know the movie itself just looked dreadful so the entire time real bad i give it a same score as you two out of ten one out of five i think that that dude might be the worst actor we've seen in one of these movies yeah he's worse than professor melon he's even worse than john r cherry himself yeah yes i i agree i don't think anybody besides jim varney who was in this movie went on to really do anything else no well, there's very briefly, there is a cameo from uh, Bill Berg, or Bill Bergy. We've yeah. never bothered to figure out how to say that man's name. That's when you and I both clapped immediately. Yeah, we were just <laughs> like, oh, thank God, something we can... Oh, no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's in it for like a second. It's like a Stan Lee cameo, but it's Bill Berg. <laughs> it's like retroactive, though, because nobody at the time is going to be excited about that. But we, having watched all of these movies, got suddenly stoked and then, like, totally deflated. Because he's just, he just, he's like a mechanic who's, like, barely in the movie. If yeah. we had to, I, this is not an earnest movie. I'll say that right no. now. If, no. If, though, if it was, if we did consider it an earnest movie and we had to put it on the spectrum from Wernest to Burnest, I would put this second to Wernest, just above Ernest Goes to Africa. Same. It is, it's surprising that I would rather watch Ernest Goes to School or Ernest Rides Again than Dr. Otto. Uh, but I feel that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. Here's the thing. So I think one of the things that this movie does, the most useful this movie is to us in our mission, is it really just illustrates the power of the character of Ernest. Because watching this, I was like, the people making these movies are not that good. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not... 
that funny. Uh, and they're not that good at writing movies. But the character of Ernest and Jim Varney's performance of him is generally so charming that it does a lot to elevate the movies. And because he has to be the main character of the Ernest movies, it forces them into a shape that is more palatable. Because there are a lot of times where Lance Sterling would have lines where he would essentially do some... You, he would either do, like, some folksy, quote, wisdom, unquote, or he would do the suddenly uh, super confident thing, and it sucked. And I was like, but I can imagine Ernest saying these lines, and they're way funnier. And I was like, oh, okay. And so it's like, I think the thing with Ernest Goes to School is very similar to this in tone. And I think, like, the main thing that makes it more palatable is it's about Ernest, mostly. Now... I don't know if there's any truth to this, but it definitely, in our earnest studies, felt like Monsieur Coke Sam's might have had a little bit of a heavy hand in this movie. <laughs> yeah, if if we refer to the cherry Coke hypothesis, this one seemed like it was pretty heavy on the Coke and pretty light on the cherry. Seriously. And you made a really good point. You know, if this movie had starred the Ernest character instead of Lance Sterling, even, at, like, it doesn't even have time in the Ernest movies, he could have been, like, Agent 32, I guess, from... Ernest goes to Africa? Oh, God. But no, he could have, like, just been, like, <laughs> the opposite hero dude. Like, a reverse Ernest goes to jail? Where yeah. you want Dr. Otto to win? I guess? I don't know. He's not a really great character, either. Um, you can really root for anybody in this movie. No, there's, like, no likable characters. Here's the, the, there's one moment where Bill Berg shows up, and we got excited. And there's one point where the movie is, like, at its most interminable and boring, where Aunt Nelda shows up, which is, like, very similar to Ghost of Africa, where we're suddenly like, oh, God, a breath of fresh air. And it's like, it's not like you're rooting for her. She's not, like, a likable character, but it's like, there's a bit, like, I understand why this character is supposed to be funny. Like, there's something there, but th that is, like, the closest the movie gets to giving me someone to root for. Right. And it's like... And I'm not rooting for her to win, I'm just rooting for her to stay on screen so we don't have to deal with the other characters. <laughs> right. Uh, even the other personalities suck. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second, I just wanted to finish my thought. So, like, having Ernest as, like, the opposite character that's fighting against Dr. Otto would have been a lot better. Because it could really, like, take the jokes to the next level. Again, like, the confident Zap Brannigan, kind of like Bruce Campbell character, who can really sell that joke a lot better with his assistant, who in this movie, her name is Doris, and she's not much of a character, but, you know, could have made it maybe work a little bit better with a more charming lead. I, th I think this character sucks. I have nothing against the, the, the woman playing her or the character as a person, but it's, like, very frustrating. Because all of Doris's whole role is that she's smarter than Lance, mm -hmm. and everyone ignores her. So you just have a character that's constantly saying the right thing to do and never that nobody ever gets to do it. And she doesn't really she bear she gets like an off-screen moment of victory and that's it. And it's like I think all it ends up doing is just drawing more attention to how bad a character Lance Sterling is. Yeah. Yeah, like even like Kiff to use that branding allegory. Even like Kiff is like a more interesting character. Because they give him more to do. And, like, even when he's, like, sad and depressed and doing all this nonsense, he, like, still has a sense of humor. And the character of Doris really doesn't. She's mostly just, like, a straw man, but, like, a straw man for, like, realism, I guess? Is that a thing? 
Did I make that up? I mean, I think what you're describing is just a poorly done straight man, which is what her character is. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just everything kind of sucks in this movie. I, I, there are a couple things that I liked. Do we want to talk about those? Yeah, let's uh, let's get to high point, low point. Okay, you want to start with high points? I have very few of these, and they're pretty like niche. I have a few high points as well, and they're mostly like small, tiny moments that I enjoyed out of this mostly formless mess of a movie that was torturous. Okay. So I can start. Yeah, you start off. I like the the hand on the head. I like the constant head massage. I like that the hand was always moving. I thought it was an interesting dynamic for the character. Uh, I thought it was funny as hell to imagine them acting that out and just having Jim Varney deal with the idea that a hand was currently massaging his head the entire time. I feel like I couldn't do that, you know? Like, I feel like if I was acting and there was a hand just constantly on my head, I would be so fucking distracted the entire time. So props to Jim Varney, and uh, I enjoyed that. But that's just a small thing. I like this one part where um, there's, like, a meeting of... I don't know what they're supposed to be. Wall Street guys or, like, the IRS or something. Yeah. And there's two things that I liked in this scene. Um, one is when they're like, the economy's all fucked up. There's just one guy who goes, nah. <laughs> oh, I liked having money. <laughs> I like that guy. Uh, there's also this bit in that scene where <laughs> the... Uh, one dude from the, the, like, this consultant guy shows up, and he's like, look, this um, thing where he's fucked up all of the credit cards with his gloom beam is going to cause a domino effect that's going to ruin the entire world economy. And to illustrate, I've set up this visual representation using rat traps. And to just explain the concept of a chain reaction, he drops, like, a little thing on a bunch of rat traps in a tank, and then all the rat traps go off. Yeah, they actually pay this a bit off in the movie, where mm-hmm. Dr. Otto is explaining his plan to one of his hench girls, I think the most important hench girl, where he just literally has a pair of giant dominoes that fall over each other, and she like explains how the market crashes with a bunch of uh, tentacle like, economics knowledge, and he's like, yeah, you, you almost got it. Mm-hmm. You got another high point? I do. It actually follows that scene that you're talking about, where Lance Sterling comes in, and they're like, Lance, you gotta go do this mission. But before you do, I got a really serious question for you. If you could be any animal, what kind of animal would you be? And I don't, yeah, I don't know, that got me. That got me, too. The, so, um, here, my other high point is, there, there's a character... So, in addition to the sort of hench girls or hench babes that hench babes. Dr. Otto has... He also has a robot, which, like, I kind of just like the robot in general. He's got, like, a totally normal-sounding voice. Uh, like, it's not, like, modulated at all. He's just like, hello, I'm a guy. I'm a robot. And his design is that he has, like, a bucket for a head, and they have, like, a smiley face that changes depending on his emotion. And there's, there's two things that I like about the robot. Well, well, I kind of like the smiley face thing, and I like that he has a totally normal-sounding voice. I also like that, for some reason, he's wearing plaid shorts throughout the whole movie. <laughs> And also, there's one part where Lance Sterling, like, escapes from, I believe it's the Australian mercenary character. And in sort of like a classic supervillain moment, Dr. Otto goes to berate the his uh, sidekick, you know, this robot, Willie. 
you know, and it's that thing where it's like, oh, the villain is going to like be like, you nincompoop, I can't believe you let him escape. Even, even though it's clearly not that guy's fault. And then they have the robot stand up for himself, and he, like, shouts over Dr. Otto, and he's like, I shot my little arrow, and I did everything I could, and it's, it's not my fault, and he, like, walks away, like, complaining. And I, I was like, oh, that's nice. You don't ever really get to see that sort of character stand up for himself. Nate, my brain's a little fried from uh, the gloom beam that happened to us during this episode, but uh, I feel like Wheelie has a different, longer name that you're maybe a mythic. Uh, okay, yeah, so I don't think this comes up in the movie necessarily. It might, but we just missed it. But I did look it up on Wikipedia, and apparently that character is named Slave Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, maybe that's a low point. I don't know. That's bad. <laughs> shouldn't, probably shouldn't be named Slave Willie. But yeah. Yeah, why couldn't he just be Willie? I don't know. They mostly just call him Willie. Yeah. Okay. My next high point is another small thing. Uh, apparently a big part of this movie because they constantly like spend a huge time of like the plot just going into flashbacks of the childhood rivalry between dr otto and lance sterling whose name was also rudy at some time mm-hmm. and apparently they were born at the same time but they were also twins to different families it's very confusing but the way they do it is the clifford kind of way where <laughs> Not the big red dog Clifford, the other Clifford, the one that no one ever wants to talk about, (laughs) where Jim Varney as an adult and Lance Sterling's actor as an adult play these characters as kids and also babies. And we see, similar to Ernest Goes to School, where they had Ernest stick his head up through a thing where he was pancaked, Ernest sticks his head up through a thing and he's a baby. And it's Ernest Head Baby. And I'm calling him Ernest, I should be saying Jim Varney, but it's Jim Varney Head Baby, and I love it. That was was a good visual. I agree. A high point of this movie is the fact that it reminds me of one of the greatest movies of all time, Clifford. (laughs) Don't don't watch that movie. No, do watch that movie. It's great. Do not listen to Jeff. This isn't a bit. I'm not trying to trick you into watching a bad movie. Clifford is great. No, it's not. uh, It is genuinely I respect your opinion that you enjoy that movie. Uh... Here's a high point that I have. Um, when Ernest, well, not Ernest, when Dr. Yeah, so you're Otto doing is disguised it too. It's hard. The, yeah, I know. When Dr. Otto is disguised as the pirate, he has a live iguana on his hat. That's it. That's that's pretty good. I love iguanas. They're underrated lizards. One of my uh, high points, which unfortunately wasn't paid back and should have been, uh, at one point when the pirate Dr. Otto, which, whose name is, I think, uh, something Jack, right? Jack O'Cochran or something like that? Yeah. Each of these personalities have names. Jack O'Cochran offers that if you tie yourself up to help reel in the dump, you can win a prize. What prize do they have to win? Well, I'm glad you asked, Dr. Otto. The prize they have to win is wonderful freezer. Check out this freezer. And they do win the freezer. And I thought that was funny. But it just didn't pay off in, like, I, I enjoy that bit, which is why it's one of my high points, but it just didn't pay off in the way I wanted it to. Because it could have been, like, I don't know, a plot-specific freezer where they just lug it up the mountain and that's how they beat Dr. Otto. I don't know. Or the freezer was the answer to the riddle. <laughs> they have to lug the freezer around for a little bit and then they just kind of abandon it. So it's like, uh, it's kind of, like, I do wish that they had done the bit where they just have, they're inconvenienced by this prize for the rest of the movie. 
It would have been funny. My, one of my other high points is is also coming out of that scene. I feel like we're giving so way more high points than we should for how bad this movie is. Like, please do not take the proliferance of high points to think that this movie is good. But listen to the quality of our high points. Like, we're just talking about little things. Yeah. But so the the, the dump thing, the swamp monster, the dump, the resolution of that uh, thing is that they get tied up and the dump is going to eat them and it shows up. And it's Jim Varney, like, talking in, again, like, a totally normal-sounding voice, uh, voicing this swamp monster. And it turns out it's, like, an old friend of Lance Sterling. And he's like, oh, Dump, how you doing, buddy? Oh, we should get lunch sometime. How are the wife and kids? And, like, that's just it. Like, there's no threat after that point. But that's one of those things which it's the concept of the bit is a lot funnier than the execution. The execution is just like, oh, oh, okay, (laughs) But it, it it is like I like the idea of that bit a lot. I think it could have been much funnier. Yeah. Also, like it's implied that the dump killed a hench girl like moments before this happened. I don't think it is though, because I'm pretty sure she's the one that continually shows up. No, it's that's, that's a different mi- one. It's a different one. Okay. Yeah, she's well, she's trapped right. in the next one. Even that though, if they'd acknowledge that, they'd be like, "Oh, they're friends," but also this thing eats people. Like that also could have been funny, but they don't do anything with that. No. Yeah. Okay, I got... You know, like, a movie can be shitty and, like, look shitty and have shitty acting in it, but still have a good score. And the score in this movie was entertaining and enjoyable. Yeah, the score is good. Uh, There's a lot of, like, cheesy synths and drum machines through most of it, especially in the, like, Dr. Otto Matt Science parts. There's one part where there's a not particularly funny bit where there's, like, one of the hench women is being, like, suspended off of a cliff that is... She's also inexplicably tied to a freestanding door in this part. But they're rushing to save her, and the score is all, like, guitars and castanets, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know who I could... I didn't look it up, and it didn't show up, like, immediately on Wikipedia or whatever. But the music in this is, like, surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. That would have been my last high point uh, if you hadn't taken it. So I don't have any more high points. Well, I need your help with this last high point, because I wrote this down... But I actually don't remember the setup. So okay. uh, help me out a little bit. Why do I have this written down quote? Not the pork. I remember this happening and yeah. I was laughing about it. Yeah, did the gloom beam like but I don't start hitting what... hot dog stands or something? I don't understand. It must have been something like that. Man, I really I do remember us laughing about not the pork. But I, I, I also don't remember what it was or why it was funny. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't watch this fucking movie. The high point uh-huh. is just a quote that we can't even figure out where it came from. <laughs> oh, cool. That's all our high points. Good job, movie. Uh, 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 uh. Do you want to get the low points, or do you want to pick the highest high point of this movie? Uh, okay, well, let's, yeah, I don't know. What do you think is the highest high point of this movie? God. I have to go with the constant head massage, because it was just, you know, enjoyable to see every time you saw it. I want to choose the Freezer Prize show, but it doesn't get paid off in the way that it should. So, yeah, constant head massage. I'm going to go with the score. Okay. What uh, was the thing that genuinely gave me the most enjoyment in the movie? Well, here we are at the summit, both of our ideas fighting for their lives. Uh, how are we going to decide who get- wins? I think we should consult with our guest, Wheel Pert. Oh, man, Wheel Pert? Welcome. 
Woo! Glad to have another musical wheel with us. Yeah, that's always nice. I understand that you might be nervous to do a drum roll for this particular guest. Yeah, I, I wasn't even going to bother because I feel like I'd fuck it up. What say you, Wheelpert? He agrees with you. He says it's the hand. Which is weird. Oh. You think he would go with the music one? I, I thought he'd agree with me that my drumming would be bad. Oh, cool. Oh, he also agrees that your drumming would be bad. Yeah, thanks. I, I, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Wheelpert. Appreciate that. I will try forever in my heart. But also be happy that uh, a head massage is the point that we're going with. Let's do low points. I mean, it's the movie? The movie. The whole movie? <laughs> yes, the whole movie. It looks like crap. It is formless font pacing. We talked about that. But let's, uh, do you have any, like, specific low points? Do you have any specific low points? Um, I feel like you should, based on something I remember you getting upset about the entire movie. What was that? It has to do with one of the personalities, Rudd Hardtech. Oh, God. Who yeah. is the Aussie general who has a child militia camp for some reason. Yeah, that, that's a weird part of the movie. Yeah, okay, so Warren, first off, actually, maybe another high point of the movie might be that there's a character in it named Rudd Hardtack, which is a pretty good name. Yeah, great poor name. get this fucking character at all. He's an Australian mercenary who is, it's, I mean, he's Jim Varney with, like, a mustache and a hat. And... Also covered in dirt. Why are all of Jim Varney's characters, with the exception of maybe Aunt Nelda and Ernest in this movie, covered in dirt? I don't know. But this guy's whole bit is, one, he has an Australian accent, and two, he just can't remember what word he's going to say. And they just keep doing it over and over again. It doesn't ever escalate to anything. It's just, he just will be like, oh, he's like, oh we've got to do it, we're going to... And then he pauses, and then the hench woman goes, kill them, or whatever. Like, And they just keep mm-hmm. doing that. And it's like every time he goes to say something, he has to stop and have another person fill in a line for him. And it never goes anywhere. And it is completely infuriating. I hate that bit so much. Yeah, we uh, also had a conversation about how we change this movie around and how that bit would evolve into an actual good comedy bit. Like, it's two steps removed from it. Where basically he just forget his whole lines and would just say, we... And then the henchwoman would basically say, like, a paragraph, and then he would say, but, and then the henchwoman would say another paragraph. Yeah, see, that's, like, that is escalation. That goes somewhere. There's a punchline. There's a payoff. This is nothing. It's just really annoying. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that's your low point, right? Yes, that is for sure a low point for me. What do you got? Cool. I can't, we can't say the whole movie again, so I I can't just say Lance Sterling as a character as my low point, because he fucking sucks and I hate him. But I'm going to actually go for a more specific thing, where we talk about the fact that four times this movie, we have women being tied up. Yeah, this is all like, the structure of the movie is, is, it's almost like a sketch thing, right? Like, it's, there's this character, Lance Sterling runs into them, the character does their bit. The way that they try to inject some sort of conflict and urgency into basically every one of these sketches is by having a woman get tied up. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're t- it's one of Dr. Otto's um, henchwomen that's being tied up to act as bait. Sometimes it's not. But they just keep doing it over and over again. And like I said, eventually one of the his henchwomen becomes like a real character. 
not really. But she becomes, like, she joins up with the team uh, and has, like, a crush on Lance Sterling. Like, and gets a name, which I believe is Tina. And so you've got her and you've got Doris. And they both kind of get victories at the end, but not really. And most of the stuff with them happens off screen while the camera is focused on Lance's boring fight with the four Jim Varneys. Yeah. You think that'd be funner, but no, it was bad. No, so like, there's like four specific scenes of women being tied up. One is the pirate scene where they tie up a girl to be fed to the dump to attract the dump uh, before they tie up Lance Sterling, and she seemingly was fed to the dump. Also, it's implied that the pirates were very rapey to her before that happened, so that's fun. The second time is Tina. Tina, who joins up the group, is tied to a door, (laughs) just a door, on top of a a cliff before they get to Aunt Nelda's. And then, because Tina screws up, a third henchwoman is tied up and then shot with the gloom beam to be dematerialized, even though she didn't do anything wrong, I guess. And then... Tina's tied up again later. Well, also Lance and Doris get tied up. So they're tied up together, but there's still a woman in that equation who is being tied up. Yes. Also, speaking of Doris, she has a weird kind of implied sex rape scene. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but during the final fight, uh, assistant versus assistant, she goes off with Willie into a corner that we can't see. And the screams get louder until we can't see either of them. And then she emerges from said corner with her clothes all ripped and tattered and her hair all a mess. And a decapitated willy bucket. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we don't necessarily have to read into that. But yeah, I guess it's kind of hard not to. Um, Also then, like, like immediately afterwards, she's just back in her regular... It's like slightly different, but basically her regular outfit from earlier in the movie... It's like, where did she get a change of clothes inside Dr. Otto's lair? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like they basically just ignored the thing they just did. Yeah. Classic Coke Sam's. Anyway, my last low point. It sounds like you don't have any more low points. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, like, my... Again, it's just, like, the movie. Like, it's hard to think narrows down something specific. The movie where we have your Ernest Goes to Double Ernest and four Jim Varneys fighting a dude. I know, it sucks. It, it made me so sad that they did that and it was bad. I, my last little point is just a personal thing for me because I get skeeved out about anything to do with eyes. Mm-hmm. And at Aunt Nelda's, they Willie ends up serving a bouillabaisse, which is just basically eye goop soup with eyeballs floating around in it. And I just I cringed a lot. And my uh, skeleton flew out of my body and into the sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got kind of one more low point, which is the, the is the riddle. The riddle sucks, and the payoff doesn't make any sense. I have the riddle in front of me. Do you want me to read it? Sure, read it. When the money is scrambled to the very last cent, riots and hatred will soon commence. When all the world's commerce will be put in a bind from the evil that lurks where the sun never shines. It is I, Doctor Otto von Schnickerkickerkick, who has played on you this trickerkickerkick. But who's Dr. Otto? You may well ponder, while all your magnetic cash is squandered. It is he who had an eye and yet couldn't see. It is he who so bouillabaisse when he was a she. It is he who gambled with brains and a gun. It's he who had it all and yet had none. And to stop this horrible Tristan Twick, just exchange the poles of old Saint Nick. 
And if that doesn't do to save the day, another quarter in and try another play. Yeah, the riddle is completely unnecessary because it's like there's like four parts in the riddle where he's like the bully base thing and the gamble to the brain. Like the solution to those parts of the riddle are just his disguises, which means the answer to who is Dr. Otto is it's it is Dr. Otto, but also sometimes he wears a disguise. Yeah, also uh, just to establish the disguise thing, this isn't like Ernest scared stupid where he's just in multiple costumes. This isn't like uh, Ernest goes to jail where he has to dress up as Aunt Nelda. To become a different character, Dr. Otto jumps into a changing coffin. Yeah, which is basically just like a closet with a window. Yeah, and just transforms himself, also clones himself to these characters? I don't know, it's very confusing. Uh, Yeah, and then the other part is, I guess it's just telling you to go south? Which... I actually kind of figured that part out. What I understood is later in the movie, to turn off the gloom beam, there's two buttons. There's a right button and a wrong button. And Lance Sterling is the guy that would always press the right button. But I think the the riddle is just that he should have pressed the wrong button, which was the right button to stop the gloom beam. And when I say right and wrong button, I literally mean there's a button labeled the right button and a button labeled the wrong button, just to be absolutely clear. Yeah, the riddle sucks. And the whole movie is structured around it, which is part of why the movie is so, like, poorly structured. Yeah, it sure is. Cool. So, what is our slow point of this movie? Is it the, is it the whole movie? I don't... Um, I don't... I don't fucking know. I don't want to have this conscious conversation about sexism again. We've done this enough. It's so much torture. I, this isn't an earnest movie. Why do we even need to figure out what the lowest slow point is? It doesn't matter. I mean, Wheelpert's right here. We we booked him. I don't know. I guess the it's the whole movie. I don't know what's the worst part of the movie. It's the whole movie. I'm sorry, Wheelpert. Uh, you had your chance to do a solo, and we super appreciate you and your scalding remarks about my drumming. But we just need to agree that it's the whole movie and just move on. Yeah. Like I said, there really isn't... Like, other bad movies talked about have had, like, a big, like, inexplicable part that stood out as being, like notably worse than everything around it this is just a bad movie overall there really isn't like a a singular moment yeah yeah okay uh so we did that uh we're not gonna go into earnest essentials because this isn't an earnest movie we have earnest in it for freaking a minute i got something though i actually do have something for this because i think okay this really does illustrate an essential to us which is okay the movie needs to have earnest in it I mean, I, I feel like I agree with you, but I also feel like that fits into hat and vest. Sure, sure, for sure. That implies the existence of Ernest. <laughs> yeah, he has to be wearing it. I also, I want to say this. This is maybe also a low, not a low point, but it is something like that was, con- I, I didn't understand. Ernest shows up at the end and doesn't do anything. There's no joke. Like, why? It's just that he's there. Like, he doesn't really even have a bit. He He doesn't, like do any earnest stuff he just shows up at the very end of the movie and it's like the joke is just that's dr otto in disguise and they don't know it like why was that earnest i i I think it's just again to like meta put earnest in the minds of people yeah but it's also like that's his most famous character and all they do with him at the end is that he just shows up yeah 
I guess they were trying to launch these other characters or Dr. Otto or something as being like another thing for Varney to deal with. Like, it just makes me a little bit sad where I wonder if, like, this movie came out and then he was like, I guess I'll just be earnest. I hope that's not the case. I have a dumb idea. I know you love when I have dumb ideas. Maybe it would have been a lot better. Do you remember when we watched The Mangler together? Specifically The Mangler 2? Yes. With with music by Ferocious LaFonk. Yeah, and we made the dumb joke that the Mangler was hanging out with the teens, and when they're like, oh no, the Mangler, and the Mangler's like, where? (laughs) (laughs) What if, instead of Ernest being the agent, he just travels with them as, like, the assistant, or, like, like, the third helper next to Doris, and, like, he's helping them throughout the entire time, and the twist is he's Dr. Otto the entire time. Would that have been better than just having him be the main agent, you think? I don't know if that would be better, but that definitely would be better than the movie we got, so I can agree with that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I'm going to have after effects of this friggin' thing hampering my brain. I mean, maybe I'll forget about it, but I definitely feel like I'll forever now have a fetish for steampunk girls, especially with a tube going from one boob over their shoulders. Uh, did she also have, like, a ninja star on her head? <laughs> Yes, it was it was great. <laughs> One of them has just the top part from a rubber spatula on their forehead throughout like the entire movie, and that was really distracting to me because I was like, "That's a spatula." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of Willie's costume is that he had a colander on his head, too. Yeah, yeah, classic robot design, though. <laughs> true, very true. I see a colander, and I just think that's part of a robot. Yeah, I uh, washed my grapes in a robot head. I love it. It's a great song. So. Do we are, are we doing anything else with this this film? No, I think we're done here. Uh, I think we are done here. If only the answer to the riddle was Mr. Potato Head, and we could just move on. Yeah, if only. Okay, cool. So join us next week where we will actually have our episode and soundproof our communication system, where we can do our final pitch of an earnest movie and really nail all that stuff out there. Right, Nate? Yes, I can assure you that no scientists, fictional or otherwise, will encroach upon our recording next week. Okay, well, from all of us here at Pitch Perfect Podcast, Nate, myself, and Wheelpert, until next time, remember, there's right and wrong in the universe, and the distinction is not hard to make. You know what I mean? All of you, Vern. But now you gotta move, Vern!